Welcome to the Give Back Economy, a podcast about social innovation and social enterprise. Now, with your host, Peter Miller. Welcome, and today we have a very interesting lady who is a social innovator, and it's Diane Davey from Work and Culture. Hi, Peter. Pleased to be here. Well, thank you for uh, giving us your time today. So your organization has been around for 20 years. That's amazing. Uh, it is amazing in the nonprofit world, which is which is not necessarily an easy world. But I think we uh, we meet a need in uh, in the arts and culture sector, uh, so we uh, we we seem to prevail. Okay, so let's start with your academic career in terms of post secondary. Um, I actually took fine art at University of Toronto uh, and uh, rather fancied myself a, a bit of an artist at the time, um, but haven't done much recently. I, I quickly uh, um, went on in later years to understand that business was also a very creative um, enterprise, and uh, I did take a, uh, an executive management intensive later in, in life. And uh, as a firm believer in lifelong learning, I, I try to keep my skill sets up to date. Terrific. So let's start with your uh, career, your work experience. Where did you start first, and what happened? Oh my next? goodness, good my goodness. I have I have quite an eclectic uh, background. Way way back when, um, I, uh, I I actually worked at the, at the Chamber of Commerce, uh, but but quickly got uh, realized that I was very interested in in publishing. And uh, I spent many years um, with the nonprofit organization that published uh, the children's magazines Owl, Chickadee, and Chirp. And we also did books, and we did children's television. Uh, and uh, I think that's probably where I began to uh, recognize my passion for um, all things creative, all things cultural. Uh, and I went on. I worked uh, for a while at um, a publishing house called Key Porter Books. Uh, run by um, uh, a woman who's quite a prominent author now, Anna Porter, uh, and uh, basically went on from there to become a consultant in my own right, uh, and which I still am. I, I specialize in the business side of the uh, of the creative and, and entertainment sector, and, and my major client is work and culture. So, this name, work and culture, do you know <laughs> how that name came about? Well, our legal name is Cultural Career Council Ontario, which is a bit of a mouthful to say. And early, early on, um, a marketer we worked with recommended that our website be named Working Culture because that's what the organization is all about, working in, in the cultural sector. And uh, we, um, we ultimately adopted that as our sort of day-to-day -day brand, and that's the, uh, the working name that we work, we work under, Working Culture, all one word. <laughs> So what are some of the programs and services and events that you provide? Well, our, our mission is to support the professional lives of, of artists, creatives, and cultural workers across the arts and culture sector. And uh, we do so through um, the development and delivery of, of training. Uh, we also do research related to, um, to the labor market, to, to training um, needs and gaps. Uh, and we provide services like uh, a very robust job board that, uh, that connect uh, job seekers and, and employers. 
So uh, on the training side, um, when we are developing something on our own, um, we either specialize at a, at a particular audience or because we, we serve the, uh, the sector broadly, we tend to do we t- tend to focus on what we call common and critical skills. So we might do something like strategic planning or uh, we're, we're doing a marketing incubator soon. We also work extensively in in partnership with others, and there we might focus in on a a specific discipline. So, for example, we did a a series of lunch and learns with the Canadian Independent Music Association that that addressed the specific needs of of people in the music business. So I was involved with uh, a few artists over my uh, career as Mm -hmm. a coach, and what I found is that many of them didn't have the understanding of how it is to run what they're doing as a business. Have you experienced that? You've probably hit at the at the core reason that we exist, that work and culture exists. Um, people in the in the arts and culture sector spend a lot of years learning technique. Uh, they're wonderfully creative, and, and frankly, if they're making a, a dime from their creative businesses, they they are doing something right in the uh, in the business sense. But they don't typically focus in on business studies. So as their business or their their um, their practice grows, there comes a point where they say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm a terrific visual artist, but now I need to market my work. I need to understand how to raise money to keep the, you know, the, the lights on and whatnot. And that's our sweet spot. We, we know and respect our audience, um, but we also understand that we may be starting from a, a kind of a basic business foundational kind of teaching. Uh, we use case studies and examples from the sector, and I think that's where the where the difference is. There, there are lots of business courses out there, uh, and, and business in the arts, quite frankly, isn't a lot different than business elsewhere. But what we do is we use the language of the arts, case studies from the arts, and we have a huge respect for our, our audience. So people who might not take a business course from Ivy um, uh, uh, would, would come to us because they, they know we're part of their community. A lady, I work with, a lady I work with in uh, Markham ran an art hub. Yeah. And that was a bricks and mortar operation where she had a gallery, she had mm-hmm. a teaching area, and then she had space where independent artists could work. So just before her lease expired, she decided to go virtual and yeah. move to the cottage. And now she's doing programs on an international basis. And yeah, she's, yeah. she's never going to go back to bricks and mortar. Are you <laughs> finding something along those lines? Uh, I think um, post-COVID will be a very, very different world. We, we have always been both, so we have uh, we've done a lot of face-to-face training. Um, but when COVID hit, uh, we had many programs um, ongoing and and several that have that have launched subsequently that we um, originally thought would be a combination of face-to-face and virtual. Um, and we're finding that across the sector, people are looking to how do they improve their ability to market online? How do they, in fact, improve their ability to deliver programming online? Uh, and although 
I think um, specifically in my sector, I think we all miss the performing arts just madly, and I don't think anything entirely replaces the real face-to-face experience. I I think people are finding workarounds, and when we do come back and can be face-to-face, there will, I think, be still much more of a blend. So, Diane, is work and culture just for artists, or is it musicians, uh, dancers? Yeah, sorry, I I should have been explicit about that. We serve the broad arts and culture community. So that's individuals who are in any discipline. So it could be a writer, it could be a visual artist, it could be a a musician, a dancer. We also serve nonprofit organizations that serve the community. So we do a lot around arts administration. We also serve the cultural industries. So that's the for-profit side. That's book publishing, magazine publishing, film and television, uh, interactive uh, music. Uh, and uh, and also libraries, heritage, and museums. So we serve um, over 272,000 people in uh, in Ontario. Wow. Uh, our latest research. Um, but as I say, what we try to do is is when we're developing training, we tend to to, co- to focus on things that are common and critical that can be useful across um, all disciplines. And then when we partner, we quite often zero in on on something specific. So. You, even though you're Toronto-based, you are an Ontario service organization. Is that correct? Yeah, we're Ontario mandated, and we pride ourselves on living on our Ontario mandate. Um, I'll, I'll give you a, a, an example. We um, we had a big Trillium Grow grant um, that allowed us to do regional outreach, and we reached over 3,000 people in something like 60 communities um, around uh, around Ontario. Um, some of it virtual, but a lot of it we went out. So we've got good friends in Sudbury and Thunder Bay and Ottawa and Kingston. And in fact, now uh, we have a, a new Grow grant that is focused specifically on the uh, Windsor area. And um, we have a new marketing intensive that we're doing um, in partnership with both Ottawa and Kingston Art Galleries. So we partnership is actually one of our goals, and uh, and we believe very much in in working with people in communities. They know their community, and, and essentially our our stance is: look, is there something that we can bring that will help? Uh, and let's work together because none none of us can do this alone. There's not enough. There aren't enough resources in in the sector at all that will ever be able to get it all done. So we need to work together collaboratively. So you've built a model that is successful. Mm-hmm. Have you had inquiries from other provinces or even in the United States? Um, there, we, we were originally um, considered what was called a sectoral training uh, organization, uh, that was set up years ago, 20 years ago, it was back when the, when the organization came into being, when the feds devolved um, training funding down to the provinces. And there were similar organizations. There's, for example, Manitoba Arts. Uh, and, and we've worked with um, an organization, the Cultural Human Resources Council, CHRC, which is sort of the national counterpart uh, of what we do. Uh, so we, have, we work with them still. And, uh, and through them work with other uh, um, provincial organizations. Uh, and, and to be perfectly honest, on a, on a digital level, um, our job board, for example, is uh, national. Um, it's, uh, it, it's the biggest curated arts and culture job board uh, in the country. 
um, and, um, and, <laughs> and digital has no boundaries. So um, we focus our face-to-face training in, in the province, but everything that we do digitally really has broader reach. So you've mentioned partnerships a little bit. Could you tell me a, a little more about the importance of partnerships to work and culture? Absolutely, Peter. We're a group of five people. Uh, and um, as, as I mentioned previously, there's no way we can do it all uh, on our own, nor should we. There, there are a lot of people uh, working very well um, with either specific discipline uh, audiences, dance, for example, uh, and um, and they know their audiences uh, more intimately than we. we. We have a broad reach, but we, we don't specialize in a specific discipline, so we turn to people in those disciplines when we are trying to uh, reach either more specific audiences or we're really trying to do something quite broad and we want everybody in the fold. Um, partnerships allow us to expand our reach. They uh, help us um, by allowing us to build on the knowledge of, uh, of others. So for example, when we're working in a, in a regional community, um, we start with the premise of, of trying to find regional champions, people who know the community that we can work with. Uh, and, uh, and we very much avoid, um, I think, what can be characterized sometimes as a stereotypical, hi, we're from out of town, we know best. Isn't there some definition of that's what an expert is, the guy from out of town? Uh, we don't. We, we have a certain basket of skills and resources. We bring those and uh, we sit down with the, with the folk uh, in the community and say, where is their common interest? Where is their need? What can we contribute? Uh, and, and I think that's what has to happen. I think what would really be interesting to our listeners it would be a couple of uh, stories that you could tell about artists who have uh, started from nothing and moved along in a positive way. Um, I will tell a little story. I remember we were um, we were doing a basic business, uh, the business of art course that was a, a multi-evening course that uh, that uh, we were delivering. And there was a visual artist who um, quite often attended uh, local fairs. So she'd take a booth and she would be showing her her wares and whatnot. Uh, and um, uh, we had been talking about selling that that uh, that one has to sell one's work if one <laughs> expects to make a living from it and uh, she had uh, between one class and the next um, been at one of the fairs and she got up and said very proudly she said so someone came up and admired my work and previously I would have said oh thank you but this time taking note of what I had learned I said oh well thank you what do you like about it um, is there, here, there, here's another work that has something more of that, or do you know I could do, I, I have something else that isn't on display. And she said, I was selling. <laughs> and I, we were just delighted. She, before that, she sort of didn't know what to do, how to approach it, and I think thought it might be a, a negative thing to promote herself, but that's what she's doing. She's selling her work. Uh, that was, I, I always think that's a charming story. Do you have another one? Um, yeah, there um, are lots of them. Uh, we have um, a young man who had, uh, who started after taking one of our creative. We have, we, we do a um, 
a course called Creative Boost, which is a, a foundational business planning course. And uh, he had been uh, wanting to start his own um, little gallery in, in uh, out of town and uh, subsequently did and sent us uh, pictures of, of where he was and what he was doing. And he was he was very proud. He'd t- basically taken the principles. He'd been, he'd been thinking about it. He'd been wanting to do it, but he didn't feel that he had the grounding um, to. And uh, God knows I wish him success now. I, ho- I hope he's I hope he's still around and doing business. So, in this era of the pandemic and people losing jobs, mm-hmm. how do these people survive in this environment? Well, um, God bless the arts and culture sector. It's uh, it, it's um, it's long been known, I think, as the gig economy. Uh, so there's a long history of people cobbling together. Um, a variety of jobs as well as their creative uh, discipline to keep uh, to keep their themselves afloat so i think we're very good at it i think there's been huge examples of people um going digital uh, you you've seen everything from people doing you know orchestra performances with everybody in their own location and the like um, but I'm, I'm not going to i'm not going to kid anybody it is really really hard it's hard to monetize a lot of that um, and in fact, the uh, the support from the federal government has been hugely important. The um, the two thousand dollars supplement that they've been paying people, um, for some people, that was as stable as their income uh, has been. So um, I, I know that within the community there is a, a groundswell to support the concept of uh, of the universal basic income. Um, because it isn't, I mean, the arts is not, it's not an easy uh, route to take. It's, uh, it, it's difficult. And yet, if, if everybody thinks of their own lives and how much they are touched in any given day with the music they hear, the artwork they see, the performances, just it's, it, it's kind of part of our, our hearts and souls. And, and people should be able to make a living at it. And you mentioned the area of funding, and this has mm-hmm. got to be a challenge both for work and culture, and for the artists that you're supporting. Uh, it is indeed, um, and um, we we traditionally have been have made uh, close to half of our operating revenue from the job board. It's our social enterprise, so it both serves as a service to the community, but it also helps uh, work in, in culture stay afloat because we we don't really have uh, much operating fund funding except from the uh, much appreciated Ontario Arts Council. Um, but but it, it lost ground. The job board lost ground. So we ourselves have struggled. Uh, we've been very very appreciative of the uh, financial support provided by the federal um, federal government, uh, as have many in the community. Um, we traditionally have survived on a combination of earned revenue from the job board and project revenue from various funding sources. Anything from um, the Ontario Trillium Foundation to Canadian Heritage to Ontario Arts Council to the Toronto Arts Foundation. So so there are, are a number of them that are part of the community, part of the fabric of the community. Uh, and um, it, it's, it has been very competitive. It will continue to be even more so, I think, post-COVID. Uh, there's a lot of work being done cooperatively with the, um, with the government, with the various funding agencies. And, and the, maybe one good thing that has emerged from, the, from COVID is a, a, a much
much more collegial attitude across those bodies with the community. So there are various roundtables where the funders and the, and the government are, are consulting with the community very closely, uh, getting input on what's helpful, how to move forward, and, and, and a general um, uh, expression of appreciation and desire to support the community to recover and rebuild post post covid it's going to take all of us i mean it's it, it is and and as i say there there probably isn't enough money in any government pot so it, we're going to have to be incredibly creative about figuring out how we go forward and how do we make it better how do we you know shore up some of the inequities we need to make it a more inclusive community we we are not all of that inclusive, and, and it has to be better going forward. Do you have any uh, corporate sponsorships? Uh, we ourselves just launched on sponsorship uh, as, a, as an activity uh, <laughs> really the year before you know, uh, COVID, and, it, and it's been a bit of a struggle. But yes, we do. We have some, some very good supporters. Uh, Toronto Life, for example, is a supporter. Um, a wonderful uh, web design company, Reason One, uh, TIFF, has supported us. So, um, yeah, we're very, very grateful for, for that kind of support. So... Going forward, Diane, if there are a couple of asks that you had of the community, what would they be? Ask of the community, the funding community, or just the anything community? in the community? The community generally, I think, um, retain our souls, use our creative problem-solving uh, abilities to the max, collaborate. I think collaboration and real collaboration. I think we have to find ways. Of, of moving forward together and finding everything from uh, from platform cooperatives. Uh, so, for example, we're we're working on exploring the concept of a platform cooperative that would work for artists. But I also think that there are other uh, initiatives that would help the community itself work more collaboratively. So, how do we eliminate uh, or reduce expenses on the admin side by by working collegially? Um, how do we, you know, beef up our ability to get to our our markets by operating collegially? Um, so I think there are some tech solutions. I think there are some funder solutions. I think there's um, attitudinal solutions. Uh, and uh, at the end of the day, it's putting our hearts and souls into making it work better in the future. So three years from today, what will work and culture look like? Oh, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> I'll be thinking of retirement. <laughs> um, what will it look like? I think we will n not be dissimilar to what we're doing today. I think we will continue to be more virtual than we were. So I think more things will be delivered um, delivered on, on, on digital platforms. Um, I think that we will probably uh, collaborate more on, on research around uh, uh, labor. We, we did a great big labor market insights um, report called Making It Work that was published actually in May of 2019 and is now kind of the benchmark for Ontario. A look at the, at the arts and culture sector in Ontario prior to COVID. So I'd very much like us to be continuing doing that kind of research, which helps us identify um, 
what people need, what works, and uh, and how to do it most effectively. Um, I do hope that we will have found the resources to harness the data that comes out of our job board so that we can actually provide some real-time um, market insights that everybody in the community can use. That's one of my my big hopes, <laughs> dreams, uh, and, I'm, and I'm constantly on the track of money to, to fund that. Um, but I, I hope... I hope we will be working even more energetically in collaboration with others. I hope that we will be reaching more people uh, and helping people move forward, um, basically help them move their own careers forward. Okay, so second last question. How do you measure the results of what you're doing? Oh, the measurement question, Peter. we're pretty good at it. Uh, there has been an emphasis from our funder partners on um, evaluation and measurement. We've worked very hard uh, with others in the sector to um, to stop what, what at one point was a focus totally on quantitative measurement to also, uh, and, and it now is pretty accepted, that qualitative measurement is, is important too. So we do a combination and uh, we we do everything from benchmarking surveys at the beginning of a, of a say we were doing a, an intensive um, workshop with people. We tend to benchmark where they are at the beginning, what they want out of the uh, out of the training and then benchmark them at the end. One of the things I would like to see is um, is some ability to do longer term. We have we have one project that's multi-year um, where we will be able to go back sort of six months after the end of the training and uh, kind of do a little bit of a follow-up. But one of the things that's very hard to find in short-term training is long-term effects. We anecdotally hear it. Um, I'm constantly hearing from people, oh, yes, I took that course and I did this, or uh, or I found my job on the job board. But that's anecdotal. That's, that, that's not hardcore evaluation. So in short, we use every methodology we can. We hire expert evaluators when we uh, have the resources to do so. One of my, my program managers is actually developing more expertise in that area. And um, we know what works. Yeah, outcomes measurement is uh, as important as numerical outputs. Yep, 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 absolutely. You've got to, you've got to, you have to blend it. It has to be, it has to be the two, the two sides of it. Okay, so finally, how do readers see, find your organization and how do they connect with you? The very best way to find out more about us is to go to our website, which is workingculture.ca. It is, uh, it's, we've got a lot of content on it. A lot of the content's free. Um, if you're in the sector and you're job hunting, check out our job board. We also have a discovery board. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to talk to anybody who uh, is, is interested in pursuing, for example, partnerships or sponsorships or anything um, directly. So I'm Diane Davey. I'm the executive director, uh, and it's diane.davey at workingculture.ca. Well, thank you. You're building a great organization, and another 20 years when you retire <laughs> will what make it that, even Peter? more successful. <laughs> So thank you for and your time today. Thank you, Peter. And, and hey, I should mention saying that we're also exploring a um, partnership on the Social Innovation Challenge. Excellent. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, Peter. Bye.